Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the VP and HDR podcast. Uh, today we have a special guest, Brother Myers. And so without further ado, uh, the mic is all yours, sir. Thank you, Joshua. It's good to be here. appreciate your interest in um, senior ministers. Uh, that is refreshing. My story is... Um, our father in 1942 started the church that I have pastored for 41 years. He started it and my mother was just out of high school when they got married and then they very early came to Edinburgh under the direction of their pastor and uh, started uh, the Edinburgh Apostolic Tabernacle. They um, worked very hard. Um, it was during the war that they built our church, World War II. And so it was very difficult times for them, but uh, my father was a very hard worker. I am uh, uh, number six out of seven children. Uh, and so my father raised mother, they raised seven children. They, uh, they did their best to give us a good life. Uh, we didn't have a lot of luxuries. Uh, we never ate out. Uh, we didn't need to. My mother was an extremely good cook. We, uh, but we never had it hard. I never worried about uh, anything. And uh, Mama always kept us dressed good. And, uh, but my childhood was a good life. Um, we did our best to do what's right. I'd seen some in the family that uh, had, had grieved uh, my parents. And so even from a young uh, person, I wanted to do my best sure. to... Uh, to not do that to my parents. I wanted to do my best to uh, obey them. And uh, so we, uh, uh, we did our best. Sure. And, uh, but it was a good life. At the age of 12, by that time I knew that uh, felt that God was going to use us. And so I began to move in that direction sure. uh, at the age of 12. When I was, uh, when I was, oh, 16, I felt it again pretty strong that God was going to use us. When I was around 15, a lady in our church came to me and handed me my wife now her picture and said this is your girl and my buddy that was with me she handed him a picture said this is your girl and we both married those two girls uh, later on so I started dating my wife she was 14 I was 15 uh, if you'd want to call it dating we lived an hour and 10 minutes away and we were only allowed to see each other at, uh, at uh, monthly youth rallies. Uh, 
But it was a good life when uh, I became a senior. It's when I was anxious to move on on forward, uh, get married. Uh, we became engaged. She was still a junior. Uh, our dating life, we kept ourselves clean. We did right. God blessed us. We had our dating life was some of our most fun years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the times that we were able to be together. Uh, and uh, But we did get married very young. She was 17. I was 18. It was on her birthday. And uh, it was just a wonderful time. Our first year was pretty difficult financially. Uh, The building industry had collapsed, which that's what I was doing. And so uh, it was a tough time. Got a job at a utility company, and that was our first break financially. And uh, the Lord began to help us, and things became much better financially. Two years after we were married, our first son was born, and uh, and so therefore, uh, of course, I, I left out the fact my wife did finish school. She homeschooled her last year and got her diploma. But about the age of 21 is when the Lord uh, really called me to preach. And I was very introverted. Uh, crowds scared me. And so I, I was very slow about answering that until one night in a Bible study, the Lord uh, spoke to me and said, if you don't answer the call, I'm going to move on. So I did. Uh, my oldest brother, who was a preacher and my hero, was... Uh, so excited my father was excited and so therefore i started giving little sermonettes but then there was a work a facility outside of town it's called atterbury job corps and wife and i i really felt a burden for that place there's about 1200 inner city kids out of chicago new york city jamaica uh just just many, many of those cities, they were gang-related, young people, very rough. And I was very intimidated about going out there, but I felt such a burden. I'd never felt a burden for souls like I did at that time. So we started to work out there, uh, preaching a little chapel. That was our beginning. And uh, it took a little while, but then all of a sudden we started getting a break. Uh, people started getting baptized. The young people started getting baptized. They were having riots. Uh, it was fairly dangerous, but the Lord helped us. Then we started bringing them into church. And uh, it was over a period of time, but we, there was probably at, at least 150 of them got baptized, probably close to 100 received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They were only there for a couple of years, and then they would move. Move back, move back home. Uh, 
we bought a bus for 50 bucks and had to have it pulled home and then we got it had to redo the engine got it running uh, most of those students from the Atterbury Job Corps were black but they loved to have church so they had church on the way to church they would run the aisles and shout on the bus and then of course they would do that when they got the church so those were good times Uh, during that time I started feeling a call or started getting calls to preach revivals and uh and the Lord was blessing. Uh, we enjoyed it. Uh, I knew that I probably was not going to be an evangelist, but we would have good church, good revivals. But when I come home, people would be filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized. The thing that helped me find direction was uh, when Moses took the rods of the tribes of Israel and said whichever one buds and blossoms is the one that God has chosen and they laid those rods up before the Lord and the next morning Aaron's rod had budded and produced almonds it was in my mind that there was many directions but the one that was producing almonds one that was producing souls is where God wanted me we were also having, still having good move in Atterbury Job Corps. Uh, but without me being home, it was difficult to control them. And so uh, my father asked me uh, to stay home more. So we canceled our revivals through our attention on the home church. Uh, my oldest brother was still pretty much slated to be the next pastor. Started feeling uh, a call to do something. And so we got a building in a neighboring town or was talking to them about a building and had it picked out. But uh, before we made that move, my oldest brother under extreme pressure from many different angles uh, ended up uh, backsliding and it was that night the Lord told me dealt with me that I needed to stay home it was about I'm 26 probably or 25 at this time uh, when I was 27 my father teaching Bible study one night he, at the end of the Bible study, he said, without beknowns to me, he said, well, I just want to let the church know that in three years, my son's going to become pastor. Wow. And he really, I, I kind of had an idea, but he had never shared that with me. And so I was just as surprised as everybody else Uh, they did things different in that day and he told the church that night he said we do need a vote a church vote for state regulations and he said if you disagree with this I dare you to stand and so I got a (laughs) 100% vote 
the only uh, the only one that there was only one person that came up afterwards and he said I just don't agree with having two pastors at one time of course my father said uh, you probably need more pastors than two to stay in church sure. but after that things started really moving in the church and so uh my father, instead of waiting three years, again, he did not tell me. He just uh, told me that night in September uh, of that year, he said, I'm going to be gone three months, and you'll be pastor from now on. And so at the age of 27, uh, I became pastor of the home church. We, we started seeing revival, really started seeing revival. Uh, started teaching, felt led to teach Bible studies. Uh, so started teaching Bible studies. God really moved in our Bible studies. Uh, there was a church there in town that we were teaching Bible studies and actually it shut the church down because all of the uh, prime members of the church uh, received the revelation and came to church. Mm. And many of those are still there today. So it, it was not a large church, but uh, they closed the church down. Um, and so the Lord really, really, we've seen a lot of people come in the church through home Bible studies. My wife and I were teaching Bible studies several a week. I had pastored two years when the Lord dealt with me about opening a Christian school. And so we started a Christian school there. And uh, it is still in operation, 39th year of operation. Uh, wow. It's probably been one of the best things for our church. Uh, our school has been a real blessing. Many of our couples in the church have come through the school. Uh, on the light side, probably wasn't light for all of them, but uh, we did believe in paddling kids. <laughs> and I did the paddling. And so there was times I could look out across the congregation and say, Lord, I think I paddled about half of this congregation. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the Lord blessed our school. Probably the most students we ever had was 52. We kept it within the church, pretty much the students. We never opened it up for outsiders. But uh, we had a lot of good teachers and a lot of good kids. Over the years, there have been, I'd have to recount them, uh, but there's been uh, around 15 preachers come out of our church wow. since I've been pastoring. Wow. Uh, eight of those are pastoring in the area where our church is, and uh, some of those are, are, are pastoring nice-sized churches. 
our church also, before I started pastoring, started two other churches. Both of those churches, one is pastored by Gary Strevel, and it's a fairly large church. It's larger than the home church, and another church in New Albany, Indiana, and it's much larger than the home church. So there's been several preachers, several churches started uh, from the home church. There are still, even now, there's uh, preachers coming up, evangelists that God is, is bringing up right now that's going to see some really wonderful things. So it's been a good life pastoring. Um, I had pastored probably six, seven years, and the original building was was packed. We built a, a new sanctuary in 1988, and uh, it, it turned out to be a very nice facility. God was good to us. Over the years, we bought property around the church and rented them out so that we could use them as the church grew for extra space and not be landlocked. Uh, but it's been, we, it's been tremendous, tremendous uh, revival over the years. We've, uh, a great blessing to our church has, has been supporting missionaries and we've been avidly involved in supporting missionaries over the years, and I feel that God has brought that blessing back to the church by supporting missionaries. And uh, I think at one time, max, we were supporting 55 missionaries. And uh, but the Lord had, had had honored us. Our town is is small. Uh, it's a town of 4,500 people, but it's been it's it's been. Good church, great people, sure. and uh, so God has blessed us. I wanted to retire uh, about the same age that my father. I was so blessed. My father retired at the age sixty-five, and I was so blessed to have him with me for twenty-two years of my ministry, helping me preach and teach and work around the church. He was a very strong man and a very good preacher. And so I wanted to try to duplicate that for the next generation. And so I, I, I tried to retire at, at the age of 65. It did not work well. And so I had to step back in. And, uh, and so again, uh, I began to feel I, I, the Lord dealt with me about just placing it in his hands totally and not worry about it. And so I resigned to the fact that no matter what, I was just, I'll, I'll pastor till God wants me to retire. And uh, sitting, uh, studying one morning, uh, Jason Van Lu and his family who had preached for us many times, evangelist, tremendous family, came to my mind and I, I could not stop weeping. And so I knew that God was in this. And so uh, it, it took a process of time. <coughs> August of last year is when we made the official uh, exit and uh, as pastor. 
and uh, Jason Van Lu and his family, beautiful family, uh, are now pastoring the church. The school is still in operation. They're getting ready for a total remodel. They're having revival. Uh, God is is really blessing. I do want to say that uh, now in my life where I am at, uh, and I've tried to pass this on to others. It is not a time to be out of the game. It's very important that retired, so-called retired preachers to be uh, heavily involved in everything that the church does. Um, I think at my age, some people feel like that you're supposed to sit back, I think. And Josh, you're a young man. You go to young, uh, you go to young meetings, and the young people have the show, and they're supposed to. But it is very important, even in the spirit world, that gray-headed men are standing around sure. and are there supporting this generation, not only with their attendance but with their spirit. And so I feel that uh, my job now is to encourage a younger generation, support them. Uh, the pastor at home, uh, they, they, at least they act like they love for me to be there. They don't like it when I'm gone. Uh, when I am there, I'm very supportive of him. This is a strange feeling, but it's, uh, I'm not sure how everybody feels on this. Sure. <clears throat> but it's so, it feels so good after being a pastor for 41 years. It feels so good to have a pastor and to be pastored. Sure. Some men may not feel that way, but I feel very safe. It's a God thing. And I, they treat me as an elder. They treat me as a bishop, and I appreciate that. Uh, with I couldn't ask for a better situation of respect from a younger man. Uh, they treat me so good. But at the same time, uh, I am experiencing the beauty of having a pastor. Yeah. And it's safe. And I want people to understand how beautiful it is when you have a pastor that actually answers for your soul. It's a beautiful thing. And to sit and be fed by a pastor is a wonderful thing. So that's where we're at today. Sure. We enjoy preaching out, uh, hopefully being a help to other churches, other pastors, uh, but uh, I feel as much a part of the game as ever. I don't feel like retiring was a step down. I feel that it was a graduation to even a higher calling, sure. and that's to be an elder. And I think the responsibilities, I do not miss the everyday responsibilities of pastoring, yeah. uh, scheduling, uh, hospital calls, uh, 
keeping everybody propped up and everybody saved. It's, uh, that's, that's a young man's job. But I do thoroughly enjoy having my hands involved in everything that's going on. Sure. Uh, that's where we're at. My wife, uh, Elizabeth Myers, has been absolutely supportive from the get-go. She was not a preacher. She was not raised in a preacher's home. She knew nothing about being a pastor's wife. Uh, she has turned out to be the most, one of the most beautiful supports of everything that I do. Um, she, she taught in our school for 35 years. Never would take a penny for doing it. Uh, and she taught from kindergarten uh, on up into high school. And her last several years was teaching high school and uh, until she felt like uh, it was getting too much for her physically. And so uh, she she's recently stepped back from that, but uh, she is also enjoying that. We have four children. God has blessed us with beautiful children, wonderful grandchildren. We had two uh, receive the Holy Ghost, three receive the Holy Ghost just this year, this past year. And uh, so we're really excited about what God's doing in our family. Sure and what God's doing in the kingdom. That's awesome. You have a neat story, sir. Uh, you know, one of the questions I, I wanted to ask is, you mentioned uh, the call, your, when you had the call in the beginning, um, you said that God would just move on, um, but you said that you answered the call. What did, that, what did that mean? Was it immediate answer? Did you have to go to your father and say, this is what I felt, or how did that? Uh, I wanted to preach before I said I was called okay sure that's the safe way I wanted to get anointed and preach sure and then say I'm called to preach but to step out it's like stepping out of the boat on the water something I'd never done and I'm not that type of person to do that and it was a major step and it comes from the song of Solomon chapter 5 where that the the beloved was knocking on the door and she was slow to answer the door and then that verse after that my dad quoted it that night it said my heart failed when he spake and she rose up and began to call for the beloved but he was gone and when he that verse right there god said you answer the call you step out and say yes or I'm going to move on. And so that's when I went straight to my father and said, the Lord called me to preach tonight. Wow. That's awesome. So what were some of your pivotal moments growing up that really impacted your your life? <clears throat> Gary Strevel, who's a pretty well-known preacher, uh, impacted me when I was a teenager picking me up, taking me to church, taking me to, ch to church early to, for prayer. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, he would 
buy us breakfast if we go to church early to pray with him. Sure. And uh, so that kind of got the taste in, in my mouth. Uh, when he got married, when he got married, a lot of times I we didn't live that far from the church, maybe a couple miles, but I would walk to church so I could get there early for prayer. Um, but that was a pivotal moment. Um, of course, the pivotal moment when I met my girlfriend and we got married. It was, it was so much fun dating and doing things right. Her wedding was just wonderful. I wrecked my car on my wedding day, tore it wow. up. I was only five minutes late, but I wrecked it. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure. It's all been fairly gradual. Sure. Um, honestly, the day I felt the burden for souls is probably one of the most pivotal moments that I couldn't stop weeping for lost souls. And that of Barry, that changed everything. The day the Lord told me that if I wanted to see the church move forward, I'd have to start doing outreach. So I did. That was pivotal. On our 25th anniversary, no, no, on the dedication of our new building, the Lord dealt with me very strongly that night that I have called you to reach the lost. That was pivotal. I'll never forget it. There was a pivotal moment when I, we were seeing revival and I was a very conservative young person in my, in my uh, standards of holiness. And when people were getting saved and baptized, I felt this reluctance to, to teach holiness. And I, uh, because some of these were fairly affluent, my wife's pastor preached a message that was pivotal about the watchman on the wall. That was a pivotal moment that I was determined from that moment on that I would never question uh, standards of holiness, that I would keep those. Yeah. It's a pivotal moment when uh, I felt like that I needed, I was very uh, supportive of the United Pentecostal Church International, uh, but when the Lord dealt with me that I needed to seek another direction, that was pivotal because it opened so many doors to meet so many other good men that I had not met. That was a pivotal moment. Uh, and then, of course, when we, uh, the Lord dealt with us about uh, turning the church over to the Van Loo family, obviously that was a, was a major highlight. Wow. A lot of uh, pivotal moments in your life. How did you know that you were in the in God's will throughout your life, you know, going back to I, the going back to the to the rods that Moses laid up, okay, sure, 
and I use this often with men. Uh, you always always have a God a God moments. God's going to move, but um, when it's the will of God, the the rod will blossom and bear almonds. And uh, to me, that's that's what's most important. What are some of the most supernatural things aside from the Holy Ghost that you've seen throughout your ministry? I can say, Brother Josh, that I've probably seen, I wish I could say I've seen everybody healed. Sure. But there's probably not a disease that I have not seen healed. Wow. Uh, Cancer, uh, hearing, blind eyes, um, lupus, diabetes, back trouble. Yeah. Um, There were just certain moments I, I, I'm not, I'm not as much of a faith preacher as I probably should be, but uh, we have seen miraculous things. But the most miraculous is watching a life change. Sure, that's yeah. the miracle yeah. of all miracles, yeah. man. That I, we got out of prison. And uh, family took him in. His mind was was pretty much blown. You couldn't carry on a conversation. Uh, he'd done some serious things. So he came. God started dealing with him. He got baptized. He ended up going to prison for a short period of time. But in prison, he received the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> I went to prison to see him multiple times. Right now... Uh, I cannot tell you uh, how beautiful a family he has. One of the greatest supporters of wow. our church. That's the miracle of miracles. Yeah. He's got, he's got uh, four boys, and they are just amazing families. That's incredible. So that's the miracle of miracles. Wow, that is awesome. And watching that church get shut down with Bible studies was amazing. We did have one month where the Lord told me I was going to see 50 people baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. And in one month's time, uh, they were coming in. We couldn't hardly have a full service. They'd walk in the door and hardly get to the pew. Then they'd walk straight down to the altar. Wow. A uh, couple truck drivers walked in because we lived by an interstate, and they said we were just driving down the interstate. And when we saw that sign, Edinburgh, we just felt like there was a church here that we needed to come and visit. And they pulled off the side of the road, came to church that night. Both of them were in the altar. Multiple situations like that uh, down through the years. Wow. That's incredible. That's a lot. That is miraculous is being poured out. Even today, all the miracles that are that are happening in, right. um, in churches all around. It is. Um, 
with all of the yeses that God gave you uh, in your lifetime, what were some of the no's that he gave you that impacted you? Um, trying to think here. I had, a, I was, like I said, I, was, was, I tried to do things right. <clears throat> we had prayer meeting on Saturday nights, and they were not really a required service, if there is such a thing. I had missed a couple of prayer meetings. I'd just gotten started. I wasn't really preaching yet, I don't think. And my dad took me aside and said, son, you don't need to miss prayer meetings. My first thought was, why don't you go get on some of these others that are yeah. missing, you yeah. know? Yeah. And uh, he said, there's something special in your life and I don't want you missing. Sure. Another time, uh, I was getting ready to change jobs. My dad was not a strong personality at all. He was very laid back, but he looked at me and said, no, you are not changing jobs. The job that I was gonna take fell through right after that. And so it, it saved me a lot. Um, I don't know, uh, that's probably the, the two that can first come to my mind. Um, Right offhand, I'd have to think more about it. Sure. Wow. Um, so, you know, I think we can um, end this, uh, close it off, um, but I do have one last question I'd like to ask everybody that I have on here. Um, so the name of the podcast is called Visually Prepared. Um, and so my question for you is how can we stay visually prepared for God's kingdom? Or in other words, how do we continue to stay focused for God's kingdom and maintaining the vision for his kingdom? Okay, I tell young men, you need to be a young man, okay? Have fun, sure. be a young person, play ball, get out there. Don't, unless, unless it is just your nature. Uh, don't make the call of God a yoke where you have, I have to do this or do that. It's not the way it happens. Uh, but uh, to be prepared, you just, you need to listen to preaching, okay? We were always on the front row, zeroed in. I mean, backing up the preacher. Yeah. Uh, locked on a preacher. I, I'm still that way. When a man's preaching, uh, I stay locked on him uh, because that's how God begins to speak to you on, on what to do. Yeah. And you start getting direction and, it, and it, you stay fired up. Uh, ultimately, and of course I mentioned it last night, uh, you know, I, you cannot overemphasize Bible reading. It's the greatest preparation. Sure. And, uh, well, the scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16, mm -hmm. all scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctor, for proof, correction, and righteousness. 
uh, exhortation. That the men of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Scripture will thoroughly furnish you. When something is thoroughly furnished, that means when you walk into that building or let's say that house, if it's thoroughly furnished, that means there's dishes in the cabinets, there's food in the fridge. That means there's blankets on the bed. You don't have to do anything but walk in there and live and stay. The Bible will thoroughly furnish you for every good work, not just everything you do. The Bible will prepare you for that moment. Yeah. So yeah. It's like what you said about, uh, and you referred it to Joshua 1.8, uh, and then thou shalt make the way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Good success. So, yes. The Bible is success. Right, right. And then uh, Psalms 1 said, Whatever you do will prosper. I think that needs here. Well, it has been an honor to have you on the podcast, sir. And uh, I thank you for coming on here. And that will conclude this episode of the VP and HDR podcast. Uh, Now, if you like what you heard, be sure to leave five stars on whichever platform you listen on. Um, You can even check me out on Instagram, vp.podcast. And you can check out Brother Hoffer's Instagram, jhdrradio. Uh, We will see you in the next one. God bless.